Welcome to the Real Estate Success and Support Podcast, your resource for real estate strategies, tips, and best practices to take your business to the next level. There's no reason you can't double your sales. So let's get to it with your host, Kristen Brindley. Hello. Hello, everyone out there. This is Kristen Brindley, publisher of DC Metro Real Producers, and I'm here with uh, Bo and Kimber Minkiti and uh, with Lashika and Anthony Mason, and they were on our cover of DC Metro Real Producers, our February couples issue, our, our power couple issue, and this group is very distinguished. They um, I mean, Bo and Kimber, their uh, KWCP did $2.4 billion in business uh, this past year, and they own uh, 1.5 million square feet of real estate in the general area here in the DMV. And uh, their charity has given a million dollars, um, or it's been donated a million dollars to their charity at this point. And the team itself are a $100 million producing team. And they have collaborated together with the Masons and they were extremely successful on their own right. And this collaboration and this, this move to grow um, together is, is the theme of what we wanna talk about. And I wanna hear a little bit about each person uh, how they came into real estate. I believe all four of you, it, it was like a part-time, you know, at start and, uh, you know, Bo and Kimber, if we could start with you guys and then Anthony and then Lashika and, and maybe explain what you're doing with your, your team with that now too. Cause I, I was amazed what I heard both what y'all are doing. So yeah, go ahead, Bo and Kimber. Like how did, how did this happen? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's quite a story. I mean, the story of collaborating and growing has been a theme throughout our, throughout our lives and throughout our business experience. Um, so my background was in the corporate world. Um, I worked in corporate strategy consulting, and then I got into the nonprofit world and was the chief operating officer of an organization called College Summit that worked with low-income high school students to apply to college. Um, and I thought I had found my calling. I was making a difference. I was using my business skills. Uh, I, was, I had bought a home. I bought my first home in Columbia Heights. And back then there was a lot of vacant properties on my block. I was a block from the Metro station. And it was just my house and the house next door, uh, Mrs. Beck's who had lived there for many, many years, lived next door. And I came back from one of my trips around the country uh, thinking I was doing doing the doing Lord's work. I was I was amazing. Um, and I came home and I used to help Mrs. Bex with her trash and her groceries because um, she didn't have any family. And she'd lived there for 65 years and I bought the renovated house right next to her. And I came back from one of these trips around the country and Mrs. Bex had passed away. And I found her in her house. She'd been, nobody had checked on her. So she'd been there for about uh, two weeks. And it was a real wake-up call for me that I thought I was changing the world. I wasn't present in the neighborhood that I was in. And so my, my launch into real estate came from that. I, I, I woke up the next day and I looked around my community and I said, there's a number of vacant homes. What can I do to fix them up? And I was really dumb back then. I didn't know that getting a real estate license didn't teach you how to fix homes. So I went and I signed up for the real estate course and I got my real estate license, but I was still working part-time. And so when I first walked into a real estate office and said, I'd like to become a realtor, they told me, hey, we don't take part-time people. We don't have time for part-time people, you know, come back when you're, when you're serious. So well, I run this company and I got to nah, come back later. Uh, so I finally found a place, a little, little office that would take me. Uh, I, I can even go to the main office. It's like the satellite office of another brand. And I uh, started as, as, as a realtor. Um, and I told Kimber that because I was becoming a realtor, I was gonna have all this free time to spend with her. We were, we were dating and getting very serious then. We weren't married yet. I said, oh, I was gonna make lots of time. 
uh, to meet her. So um, that's how I launched the business. Uh, had some success part-time, was the rookie of the year part-time. Uh, I think there's a theme of that as you get on to the Masons. Um, and then uh, slowly looped Kimber in, but maybe Kimber can tell the story of how she came into the business uh, and got started. Yeah, so Bo definitely, he actually got the office that was uh, around the corner from my apartment at the time in Capitol Hill um, to, under this promise that he was going to have all his extra free time as he started his real estate career uh, and sold me my first house. I had just graduated from grad school and had, uh, he, he was, I was one of his very first clients um, as my family was like, this is interesting. Are you guys dating? He's selling you a house? What, what's going on here? Um, so as the business really got started, I was continuing the nonprofit sector, which is where Bo and I met at College Summit. And I continued on working for the Archdiocese of Washington um, in the counseling team there. And so uh, I really, same thing, like started part-time. I was just going to help. We had actually purchased, Bo just purchased the first condo project that the team was going to do in Brookland, a uh, 21 unit condo project. And so really it was, we didn't have the sales team to do it. So I thought I'll get my license. I'll help out part-time and sort of be prepared to, to sell this condo on the nights and weekends. And pretty quickly that, um, that accelerated. And at the end of that school year, I made the transition to full-time and also was the rookie year rookie of the year for GCAR. So that's definitely a theme of our group. But this idea that you know, from that part-time world and, and just sort of what those habits were to get started and to, and to really dig into the business. And that was in 2007, right? We think we're in a shift right now, but that really was the shift. I mean, I got my license and like the music stopped, right? And I didn't know any different, but I literally, people, I would get in and people were like, you just got licenses or like, do you know what's going on? <laughs> have you like, have you, what's, what's happening? Um, and so in some ways that created the best habits because I didn't have the height of the market where people were like writing offers on top of their car and running them to sellers and you would drive people to open houses. We had a market where, you know, people, it was a hundred percent buyer market. We had short sales, right? It was just, it was a, it was an, a different time, but it created really important habits. And I remember one last thing, when, when Kimber first got in the business, I remember saying to her, we're going to sell 100 homes. We're going to sell 100 homes. Back then, we, we were doing like 50. So we're going to sell 100 homes. And it was like a couple of years. And she's like, that's crazy. You can't sell 100 homes. <laughs> and then like a year, a year and a half after she was in the business, we, we passed 100 homes. <laughs> you gotta I passed 100 homes. <laughs> she passed 100 homes and I just watched, okay? <laughs> that's beautiful yeah Great job. <laughs> so, so for us um the narrative was uh a, a little different in terms of um getting into the well i guess we'll start with the beginning piece so i was in the military for 10 years a couple of deployments and thank you for your service absolutely thank you um so a couple of deployments into that um i did presidential uh, support specifically i lived in italy for a while um then got stationed here at andrews air force base where i worked very closely um in and off of uh, Air Force One. So did that for a while and then transitioned to uh, DIA where I worked for about eight years um, on some special projects. Uh, so it was in that where after getting out of the military, I actually deployed more as a civilian than I did as a service member. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was going into my second Afghan deployment and Lashika at that point was fed up with the me leaving her for six, seven months at a time with the mm -hmm. kids. At the time, we just had Chloe, uh, but it was it was a, a it was a pivoting point for us because I came back. I missed all of the the all of the baby stuff with Chloe. Came back, she's walking the whole he night. Left when she was twelve months old and came back, she was eighteen months. Potty old. trained and walking, so <laughs> I, I had up. missed that entire piece yeah. only to to come back, and she really didn't know who I was. So I was getting ready to go back out. 
like 12 months after. Um, and then on my way out, she was like, well, why are you doing this again? I'm like, look, the job wants me to go. The money's great. We needed the money. Yeah, we, we had we, a we baby, definitely needed a daycare, a house that we just bought. And we were like, we're broke. We yeah. need money. <laughs> so, my, so my dad being in the business, um, you know, was something I always avoided. Like my dad, very successful in real estate, but the time that it demanded from him was something I wanted no parts of. So it wasn't until she was like, Hey, like you're really good at sales. Like, why don't you get into real estate? I'm like, Nope, not doing it. Similar to Michael Jordan and his kids. None of them play basketball. So for me, it was just one of those things where I'm like, I don't want to do it. So she's like, look, I signed up for the class. I signed you up for the class. I'm flying Chloe to my mother's for a month yeah. where we worked five days a week. And then our real estate class was Saturday, Sunday. So it was no days off for a for month a and a half. Month in May. And Mother's yeah. Day was coming up. She sacrificed seeing Chloe for Mother's Day, but I ended up flying her to Charlotte for the day to mm -hmm. go and see her for Mother's Day. But it was just, to me, there was no reason for me not to do it because she had went through everything she did to get us in. So I was like, all right, cool, let's do it. So as a track athlete, me playing basketball, it became competition. I'm like, cool, you sign us up for this, I'm gonna kick your butt in this class. So she sat next to me and I had a really good rapport with the teacher. So, you know, I was like the teacher's pet. He was. So I would go in and, you know, I, there's another story. There's a whole other part to it. I won't go into that part because it was actually pretty funny. But we were in the class. She would try to cheat off my paper sometimes. I would cover my paper to where she couldn't see it. And then we would compare test answers, everything. He was just way too competitive. Yeah. So, anyway, long so past, story. past, everything was done. We got into real estate. Uh, we found out how expensive it was to get into real estate at the beginning. So it was a culture shock because we were a couple days out from the class finishing. And they're like, oh, hey, by the way, the time in which you're joining, it's going to cost you about $3,000 to get into the business. And I'm looking at Sheikah like, oh, my gosh, we don't have, we don't have $3,000 to get us both in the business. So I was like, look, we'll put it on a credit card. I'll get started. Once I get in, get my feet wet, we'll bring you in. So Meanwhile, I, he already had three clients lined up. He had people at his job that wanted to buy and they were waiting for him to get his license. So he already had three clients lined up before he even got his license. Yeah. Um, so yeah, long story short, basically we got our license. He got into the business first. He was in the business rookie of the year, his first year. Um, so we didn't have our local association of realtors didn't have rookie of the year at the time. They had it and it went away. So we, I was recognized as the rookie of the year for the region for Keller Williams International um, instead. So that was just kind of the story behind that. Didn't know anything about it. Got invited to Orlando, went and was rookie reunion. of the year. So yeah. it, was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. And that was all while working a full-time job. So his clients did not know he had a full-time job unless they were clients at his job. But for the most part, he made sure that he would like uh, have his phones go like calls go to his desk so he would answer his calls at his desk you know different things like that put things on his calendar we worked and lived by a calendar I was like basically his showing assistant or his admin um, until I actually got into the business which was a year after um, Anthony yeah. um, go ahead, so go ahead and then so story, my man. my story is um, <laughs> see how she takes over she she told my story for me I'm but. sorry <laughs> It works so well together. Right? I see the byplay back and forth. It's great. Go ahead, Lashika. Tell us. Okay. Yeah. So my background is accounting, um, which works very well for me and Anthony when we started um, um, as a team. So, um, you know, I just basically looked at costs or what, what we could get a return on investment on with anything. Um, if we put in money for any advertisements, I want to see how much money we got back. I want at least that amount back. Plus. Just a short little piece of that with her accounting piece. The reason why I was very 
like I wanted her in the business sooner than later because I had to justify every expense in the business that she didn't understand. She's like, well, what is, what is this? Uh, what are these leads you're paying for? I'm like, babe, I have to do this to get more business. So Why the only way to get her in is just so right. cars. What is this? <laughs> what is this? What is this $300 that's going out twice, like in the same month? And, yeah. And that, that was one of the, the bigger reasons because of her accounting hat. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, graduated from UNC Charlotte, um, with a accounting degree and, um, worked as a bookkeeper and then went on to federal government. Um, and I worked for the department of state. And there I was a budget analyst. So um, I ran like a lot of projects, like $30 billion projects for the government um, and just made sure they stayed on track and did their budgets. So um, for me, my passion is numbers. Um, nothing else makes sense to me but numbers um, and numbers don't lie. Um, so with that, um, basically going into this full-time as well, my out was me getting pregnant with our second kid, my out for my full-time job. So our second kid, 2015, I said, I don't want to go back to work. So I'm going to take a year off. I took a year off of work, leave without pay, um, work the business. We worked it together and we doubled our numbers, like our income and everything. So we were like, you know what? We can do this. Like we're close to, you know, a million GCI, just the two of us and a transaction coordinator. We can do this, you know? <laughs> and I think the biggest part with that too. Yes, you can. Yeah. It was, it was an opportunity for me as well to actually transition out of my job because I, while she, she was home, leave without pay. I had like my, my daddy time, which I think was they two, gave months. Me two, two months. months or something. And then I did leave without pay also. Like yeah. I, I wasn't paid while I was out because I was like, look, this is an opportunity for us to both stay home. I can focus on you and the kids. Everything can come together because financially we couldn't do that the first time. Mm -hmm. So that was an opportunity for us. And then I had an epiphany when I went back to work and I had a bad day with my supervisor and then I came home and Googled a letter of resignation and just changed the name and at the top and bottom and signed it. Yeah. So we both resigned. So we yeah. worked, both worked the business full time and we were like, okay, we can do this. And so we, we never went back to work. We just resigned from our federal government on positions. And then we're, we've been this since 2015. Yeah. When Kylie was born yes. in 2015, mm -hmm. um, full time agents. So I love y'all's story. Tell us about Lyft and this program that you've made to help others transition, you know, from part time to full time. Lyft. Lyft is a program that MG Residential started. Um, MG Residential Lyft is a group of um, agents. Lyft stands for launching into full time. Um, and so my passion uh, for uh, transitional agents um, led me to develop this group of agents that um, are, they do have a full time job, but they aspire to be full time agents. And so, um, you know, Bo, Kimber, Anthony, myself, we're all transitional agents. So um, Bo and Kimber and Anthony were like, hey, we love the idea. She could run with it. And so I did. <laughs> and so we have four agents on that team right now. Um, we're looking to do our next round of agents in two months. And um, I just look forward to just helping people launch from um, being, um, having their full-time jobs into a full-time um, position on a real estate team. Can you elaborate a little bit on the systems themselves that you've put in place to help these people go from part-time to full-time? Like, what are, what are you guys doing? It's, it sounds amazing and should have been done already in lots of ways for lots of people. Okay, so each agent on the Lyft team, um, which is separate from our full-time team, so we're keeping the culture of our full-time agents, um, so they're separate from the Lyft agents. So the Lyft agents, since they're transitional, we're building the culture 
Um, and what we're doing is each agent has, um, they, they were started with a passport, an educational passport for training. So they have to check off and their little passport looks like an actual passport of all the trainings that they do. So they have to do a training a week, um, every week and check off on that. And they have to come back to us and just tell us exactly what the training was and give tickers or any ahas to the team. Also, they have an accountability coach. So they meet with their accountability coach 30 minutes once a week. They also do cash, talk, cash talks with their coach as well, um, accountability coach, um, just about every day. Mm -hmm. um, also, we have call nights. So every Thursday night, we do everything in the evening. It's kind of like night school because they have a full-time job during the day. So their sales meeting that we have once a month is, um, I mean, once a week is every Monday evening. <laughs> and then we have a call night every Thursday night. To where we sit and we legion together and we we make calls together um to legion so they have all they have just the blueprint in order for them to launch from being transitional agents into um being a full-time agent yeah i think the importance of it and really with them being separated and what she's talking about in terms of culture is because we don't want to insert someone into the full-time team that doesn't have all of the the practices required to be successful on the larger side so we're giving them all the fundamentals we're teaching them just like if you ever heard about the NBA coach who taught them how to put their socks on first, that's what we're starting with. We're having them put their socks on. And once you know how to put the socks on, then we can put the ball in the net. Mm -hmm. So that's really important to us is making sure they come in with that culture because oftentimes, and I've heard from several top producing agents where they talk about the resetting of a team because the culture gets away from going out hunting and gathering leads to being lead receiving. So if we teach them how to fish, they'll be able to do it for a lifetime. They'll always contribute to the success of the team. So that's why we feel as though the importance of everything is all the fundamentals. And then from there, once we unleash them, it's going to be right. nothing but success. So Which is the training and the call nights and all the different things that we're implementing. Yeah, they have a certain amount of contacts they have to do uh, by the end of the week. Um, so all of those things that we've put in place is really just setting them up for when they want to hit the switch and say, we're full-time. And the lift agents are also part of the Miracle Morning. Yes. <laughs> well, and you've given people a space um, with the right mindset and met people where they're at to help them get where they want to be. And I think that's, yeah. uh, that's fantastic. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for your people in your lift program okay. uh, and the people to come. Yeah. Uh, so this is an amazing group. Can you all define success for me? It's interesting. We've had a lot of conversations about about what is success. Like, what? Why are you doing this? What What are you trying to trying to do? And I think, um, in many ways, to, to to define success, you have to define uh, what matters to you or or what your purpose is. Right? Where you're trying to go, what you're trying to achieve. And I think a theme that ties you know all of us together and the two of us two as couples, as two different couples together, is is a bit of passion. Uh, for letting talent shine. You heard it in the lift program. Uh, you heard it in the growth. This idea that there's latent capacity in people, in, in, in careers and in communities and in physical buildings, that if you can tap into it and you can let it out, uh, it can serve the world in an amazing way. And that's what's behind this mission of transforming lives, careers, and communities through real estate. So then it brings you to the question, how do you do that, right? How do you, how do you have success in that? How do you actually let that go forward? And I think that's still a journey. We're still learning. Um, but in my mind, success is the opportunity to continue to learn and to grow and to have the learning and the growing and the steps that we take, the platform that we build, be able to be a launching pad for those that come behind us. 
right? This sense that oftentimes in real estate, we're just trying to get success. We're trying to get it for ourselves. But ultimately, when we think, you know, more about the infinite nature of business and the ongoing nature of what's going on, we are just stepping stones along a path. And the question becomes, how can we create that opportunity for those that are around us? So I wrote a letter to myself when I started the business uh, that I said I was going to open 10 years later. And, and the letter said, hopefully we'll have achieved these things and you'll have the opportunity that you could leave the business. And I was like, I, you could tell my thinking, I was kind of like, thought, 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 thought. But wouldn't it be really fun to do it all over again with all the learning and resources and with other people once you've built the business already? And so to me, this next phase of success for us is about learning how you take what you've learned, how you continue to learn more, and how you have that be a path and a stepping stone for way more talented people like Anthony Lachica to come along behind to hop off of that stepping stone and go much further than we ever could have gone uh, in our own lives or by ourselves. So how did, as couples, um, you all meet each other. So uh, how did first, how did you become couples? So like Bo and Kimber, how'd you guys meet? Anthony, Lachica, how'd you guys meet? And then how did y'all end up coming together to collaborate to, um, you know, have the team together? Um, so Bo and I actually met as a couple, we are working together. So it's sort of interesting that we still work together today. <laughs> um, but that was, you know, Bo was working at College Summit, which is a, a nonprofit organization that helps low income high school seniors get access to college. And I was um, that summer before I went off to grad school in Pennsylvania, I um, stopped to spend the summer doing workshops to, to facilitate for, um, for these high school seniors. And so we met there. And, and then immediately launched into a, a long distance relationship as I moved to Pennsylvania. And so we spent a lot of time <laughs> back and forth, up and down 95. Um, so as, as you hear my son asking, really, you lived in Pennsylvania? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so that has um, been the legacy. It started there and then we went off on our separate journeys professionally. And, and here we are in a big life and career together. Awesome. Awesome. Anthony and I met when um, I was 14 years old. Anthony was going on 16 years old at an amusement park in uh, called Carowinds. <laughs> and it's on the border of North Carolina and South Carolina. Um, and so I wasn't supposed to have a boyfriend, um, but he was like, hey, I think you're cute. You're Shana's sister, right? Um, let, here's your, <laughs> let me give you my number. Call me. And so I ended up calling him like two weeks later. And then from there, we, we've always been like really good friends and we're married. 15 years now. So um, that's our high school love story. <laughs> that's, I, I love you guys' stories. I, I'm really glad we're, we're talking this. Year. So how did you all end up working together? And I mean, with families and I mean, you have four boys, you guys have a couple kids yourself, like, you know, <laughs> you guys are all juggling a lot of things. Um, as we saw, like, you know, kids coming up and we're all, it's interesting in this time. So how, how did you all end up working together? And maybe if there's a couple of tips that you guys have for working as a couple, because this was the couple's issue, like, do you guys have some tips for people working together, you know, building a life together at home and at work? <laughs> so I was like, hey, Kimber, um, I reached out to Kimber, asked if we can just like go, you know, out to dinner or something. Um, I thought we were going out to eat, but Kimber was like, oh, no, how about come to my house? I was like, hey, we're going she's to like your house. She's like, the kids just left I was the like, pool. Right. She's like, come on over. Bo's going to cook on a grill. I'm like, okay, but our, should we bring our kids? And she's like, yeah. At the time, we had a seven-year-old and a terrific two-year-old, like very terrific. And so I was like, um, let's, okay, we'll bring the kids. Are you sure? And she's like, yes, bring the kids. So, you know, I have four boys. 
what, you know, how bad could two, two girls be? <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool. So we come over, we're having a good time. Bo, you know, it's cooking on the grill. Food's great. we got bottles of wine, having a good time talking and just learning from Bo and Kenberg. And we really appreciate the time that we had at their house. Um, the only thing is the fun part or the funny part of it is, or embarrassing for me, is our terrific two-year-old um, actually oh, peed yeah. on Kimber's oh, stool. God. I was like, I'm so sorry, Kimber. <laughs> she peed. Kimber's like, it's okay. <laughs> like, I was all the boys. I'm like, this happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, amazing. I mean, yeah, I will never forget that. Um, and we really appreciate the time. Like we learned so much from them during that time. We were talking about building a team, like the, the Mason team at the time. And we we're like, you know, how do we do this? Where do we go? And, you know, Blonde Kimber, they, they were very instrumental with us building that team. And we never thought that this was going to come about. Like and this Bo, Bo and his Yoda-esque type of way was like, so what do you, what do you want to do? <laughs> and at the time, we didn't even pick up and it was like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, we we want to build a team. Yeah, and we're we thinking about we collaborating with some other team. And we're thinking about doing this. And he's like, oh, okay. You know, but never once did I think like, maybe this could yeah. be something, you know, this us four together could be a great partnership um, until last we year. To, we went to family, we went to family reunion, not this past one, but 2019. Mm -hmm. And, uh, people walking across the stage, you hear about production, and then you hear about like some collaborations that had occurred. And at that point, I told Sheik, I was like, we are walking across that stage. So and we have to figure out how we're gonna do it. And who, who do we need to align ourselves with? So we started going through. We're we thinking about other like top teams and, and our brokerage and things like that. And thinking maybe we can all just combine and collaborate and do something <laughs> great or whatever. And then one day, April, 2019, I was like, you know what, let me call Gimber once again. <laughs> and so Anthony reached out to Martin Weldon and I reached out to Kimber. And then we were in the office like within like a couple of days and we were just like, let's see what this, what, what this can go. Like what, what's, what's there? And, and I don't know, Kimber Bo wants to jump in. <laughs> yeah, I think part of it's that there was just that relationship and being in a brokerage in the KW space where there's just this culture of sharing that that first, you know, like summer dinner was just a chance for us to connect and learn more and see how we could support their business and they could support our business. And, and that, I think that those relationships and those partnerships are sort of the sparks that allow for um, future collaboration. And then once we started to like really talk about it and talk about the goals that we had and the vision that we had and the culture that we were really important to us, there was a ton of alignment, right? When you started to think about um, what we saw for the vision of both the team, but also like other opportunities, because I think both Anthony and Lashika have like their drive for investments and supporting the communities and having a geographic farm. There was just a lot of um, overlap in how we saw the business and how we saw wealth building for our families and for the people that were in business with us. And so I think that that really started to have to pave the way. And it, it definitely isn't easy, right? People, I've got, I just talked to somebody the other day and he was like, how, how's it going? Like, and it's, nothing's easy, right? But none of our businesses are. And so the part of that, it takes work, right? Like one of the things that we've committed to 
been a little harder in the COVID world is just that once a month we were going to get together, like we meet weekly, but that we were going to get together and just have fun together, whether that's with our families or we go out to dinner or just that we actually get to um, support each other as couples, as people. And Anthony and she have been great mentors for Bo and I for that, right? And they have a, a long relationship together. And um, as you see, right, they work really well together. And so it's just, I think that has been one of the dynamics that I've enjoyed most in the partnership is that we get to support each other in, on all different facets of our lives. There's this interesting thing, right? And and it exists, it exists in the partnership of marriage, obviously, in a much more in a much deeper way. But it, it also exists in the partnership between the couples, which is that there's this, it's it's challenging. And we 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 hash it out, we we battle back and forth, we have our moments. Um, and that that exercise of being in that kind of relationship, that collaboration, one takes an investment of time takes a huge investment over time and that's that's challenging it, it requires being okay with the ups and downs the the the, the, the blows to the ego and the, the different opinion and the arguments that happen but ultimately it's so much richer and it's so much fuller if you're able to be able to go down that road not just from what you can accomplish it, it's very clear that it, you're going to have to be willing to take some challenges to get there once you get to that place of collaboration you can accomplish so much more in business but also life can just be a lot more fun. Um, and I think that's true. We've, we've learned so much from Anthony and Lashika, not just about business, but, but about being a couple. In many ways, they're, they're mentors to us in how to be a couple in the way they work together. And they have an amazing, Kimber and I are both big personalities and, 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 and big egos. And that often clashes for us. They're the same, but they have a much more this beautiful, delicate dance they do uh, of how, you know, Sheikah lets Anthony be the star and then she kind of slowly reminds him that she's actually in charge. And they have this whole thing they do that, that is just, it's, it's phenomenal. And me and Kimber's looks more like we bump up against each other and theirs looks like this nice little dance that happens every time. So it's really <laughs> very, very well, well said, well That's said. And, and, and along those lines, it's the same thing. I mean, we, we lean on them heavily in the same space on things that are unknown to us, you know, getting into uh, the investment space. Um, and then really, I think another important piece about it, and this is for anybody out there that's, you know, couples that are looking to get together, you really want to kind of look at how that relationship looks and the longevity of it, because that is kind of the beginning of, if you can stick it out in a relationship with your spouse, as we enter into this business together, there are no ups and downs that would allow for you to separate. You're going to go into them and you're going to battle through it to continue to move things forward because there's a greater vision. It's the same thing with the relationship. So I think that that foundational piece is super important, you know, when you're looking at going into something and collaboration. Mm -hmm. so. so in this interesting time with COVID-19, what are uh, things are you all doing to pivot, shift? Um, can you give us a little bit of mindset or, or things that you're doing right now? Yeah, so I think when you look across the industry, right, or just in how people respond to crisis, there's sort of the fight, flight, freeze response. And we're seeing, you know, literally 70% of the industry are just frozen. So it's like the agents got out of the business, like they're actually not selling. And so this becomes an interesting time where you can really dig in for those that are where you just expand your market share, you're actually able to, to double down to actually continue to invest in the activities that drive and grow the business. And I think Anthony Lashika leading the team are demonstrating that with that really focus. I'll let them share some examples of what, how that's showing up and how in a time when some people are just pausing and see it as an eight-week vacation, uh, you can double down and actually grow the business. 
That's beautiful. Can you tell us like a habit maybe or something that you've done with the team uh, immediately to help cope with this? I think the biggest thing is like when, when everything had first hit, like and in, in everyone had to pivot and really just get creative about one, protecting the mind space. I think that's what this has all been about is just really um, ensuring that from a mental uh, perspective that uh, everyone is tough on the team. So for me, the way that I saw that um, as you know, an opportunity to really dig in with the team was to start the Miracle Mornings. Um, for me, I knew that just from military background, the importance of getting up early and how many things can be accomplished before uh, the average day started. So, um, you know, I was looking through my books that I had on my iPad, came across the Miracle Morning, and I was like, you know what, this would be a great challenge for the team. So um, our first huddle, when everything got shut down, we said, look, guys, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start meeting every morning at, at 9.30. And the topic just came up because we were just trying to be creative about what we were going to talk about every single day. So I was like, babe, you know what? I'm going to challenge them to this miracle morning. So what we did in the miracle morning was we went to everyone on the team waking up at 430. Mm -hmm. And in that accountability, we had to, everyone had to jump in their group me. So everyone, we have a group me for the team. This yeah. is how we communicate through group me. Yeah. So we, that, which was Sheikah's idea was to do the group me instead of like a traditional you know, group text. So we went into the group me. It was like, look, everybody, when you wake up in the morning, because we're not there when you wake up, the only form of accountability we have for early rise was for you to jump into the group me and say good morning. Mm -hmm. So everyone had to jump in and say good morning. Initially, as the kickoff, as a leader, I felt as though the only way for them to do it was A, for them to see me doing it. And then also for them to see the activities that were going on beyond the 4.30. It's not just a wake up text to 4.30. So I would start putting pictures in of me scribing and doing my journal entry, me working out, doing my 15 miles on the Peloton. I was doing all of those things just to kind of let them know he's not just, they're not asking us to do this. They're doing it themselves. Um, so that was just really the key because my basic and uh, basic training, my technical instructor, everything we did, push-ups, running, everything, he was involved in that as well. So I felt as though that was the way to really begin to connect. And I, that actually made us feel more like a family. Mm -hmm. I feel like every morning we wake up and we're in the kitchen, we're in the kitchen together. As a team. As a team. Mm -hmm. So that has just really connected us beyond the way that we have been connected just from waking up, going in the office, doing our you know Monday meetings and then seeing each other. Every now and then. Now, now we then. see each other every day, every day, except for Saturday and Sunday. But we see each other Monday through Friday. Um, our sales meeting, um, sales teams meeting are every Monday. And um, right after we roll right into Money Making Mondays, which is um, call day. So we have from 12 to 2, we make calls together and Legion together. So um, it's, we have so many things that we've implanted that we see our team much more now via Zoom than we have in, when, when it was normal times. So yeah, yeah. it's pretty And cool. it's just awesome to see like, you know, everyone, we get to see everyone's kids. Our kids come into the cameras. Yeah. I mean, it's just... <laughs> It, this has made us feel more like a family than, <clears throat> than anything in the past. So I, I'm grateful for that. That's the silver lining in everything that's happening. We have a, a, a way better connection with, um, our, with, team. with our team. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they've had a record set in April. So they uh, had more houses under contract. They set the record for the, yeah. for the whole year yeah. um, in April. Yeah. yeah. So we wrote um, 21 yeah, contracts. Yeah, we wrote 21. We'll close 24 because we had some slip. But really what we challenged the team to was a contract a day. Mm -hmm. So we had been implementing and telling them the whole time, look, if we can get one contract a day, that'll give us 30 for the month. So we every day plant that seed when we see them in the morning. And oddly enough, like I think for we, two we weeks, mm -hmm. 
for the, for the first two weeks, like we were getting that. Mm-hmm. And then the weekend was exploding with, with more contracts. So it's, 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 it's all mindset. This entire thing is mindset. So just planting those seeds and, and Bo and Kimber say it every Wednesday and our all staff planting seeds, seeds for the future. Um, that's kind of what that's about is that we can come out of this with that momentum. And the miracle morning was a 66 day challenge for us. We're doing it for 60, 60 plus days to get in that habit to where when we're done with this, people will be waking up at 4.30, they'll be writing in their journals, they'll read and they'll work out. So we'll have a better team, healthier team, stronger mindsets when it's all over. One of the other things we're doing is immediately upon it happening, I I actually had a listing that was to be in person in in our farm. And I had to pivot. Uh, It was probably one of the the more I'm, I'm not fearful of a lot of things when it comes to being in front of people, but that was probably one of them because I was nervous because of the unknown. So I had to get on the phone with this person. It's a million dollar listing. Um, this guy's a, an executive. And as I'm going through everything with him, I'm fumbling because I don't really know how I want to format this to still convey the information. I'm big on energy and listings. I have to sit with you. I have to connect with you in that way. And by doing it through a screen, I felt in my mind as though I was being handicapped by the technology. So just really getting comfortable with everything. Long story short, we ended up getting it. Uh, He's not putting his house on the market until after the fact. But going in that, there was a time when I went to family reunion this past year and heard an agent talk about everything they do with listings is done virtually. They don't set eyes on the property in person. And I thought that was insane. I was like, there's no way that they're doing this effectively. Mm -hmm. And then this literally forced me into it. And we've become really good at it because to date, since we've been in this uh, I've gone on probably 10 to 15 listing appointments at this time. I mean, the first one was very frustrating for Anthony. He's like, the Zoom won't come up. He doesn't have Zoom. How do I do this? What is the password? And I'm like, calm down. Because He was so out of his element. Like, he just was like so frantic. I said, and just have him, you know, walk you through the house. Have him pick up the phone and just walk you through the house and show you the rooms. And, you know, so we're like putting together a game plan as I'm setting up the Zoom for him and trying to get his client on a phone to help him walk him through how to set it up. But but it all worked out just fine. Yeah. And that was his first one. But after that, now he's like rocking and rolling with these things left yeah, and right. Yeah. So. so that that was the biggest thing. Again, it just goes back to the to the mental piece and just being comfortable in it. And everyone knows that this is a time right now where we're all kind of just trying to figure things out. So it's a, it's a lot more flexible and you have sellers that would have never done it this way in the past. Mm-hmm. And then so I think with both of us being in the business and actually like working in the business as well is helpful. So like we're sharing our experiences with our team. So Anthony, you know, listing of virtual listing appointments, he's sharing like how he does it and, you know, what's worked good for him. And then the team is sharing their experiences. And then for me, I'm on the buy side. So all of my buyer consultations and how I do them and how I share the screen via Zoom and go through the buyer's guide that we have, different things like that, just to show the team that this is possible. People still want to buy. I actually have a showing assistant that goes out and shows virtually if um, I can't make it out. Or um, we- she has two clients right now, one in Hawaii, one in California. Both of them are writing contracts, all being done virtually. So it just speaks volumes about mm-hmm. how everyone has become very open about the virtual world. Exactly. And so <laughs> with us, for all of our listings for MG Residential, what we do is we make sure every listing has the actual virtual tour, not pictures that just scroll as a PowerPoint. They actually have a virtual tour where is an actual videographer walking up to the property and walking you through all segments of the home. So we're just making sure that we're adapting to the times um, so that we can still get property sold. That's beautiful. And that makes me think about, well, so first like mindset and implementation. So mindset 
implementation for everything that you're you're doing. It's just like, okay, we can do this. Let's do it. That brings up some ideas about and thoughts on, you know, national um, listings and you don't need to be in person. And that's, that's really interesting. And it sounds like you're told, doing I, that. I just told Sheik, I was like, babe, we can sell real estate anywhere. <laughs> I mean, that was a thing before, but right now, literally it's possible based on exactly what's been happening. It's yeah. insane. Well, that begs the question of like, you know, the last 15 years and what's the next 15 years look like and are, are you adapting very quickly? And what market share will you take of that? Like that's that's really fantastic. I can I can see the the path for you all. <laughs> when, when a crisis like when a crisis happens and something you know I've been we've been talking a lot about how it's it's almost like um, you know a, a bomb goes off like something happens right and oftentimes you know in prior things that have happened um, you know hurricanes floods nine eleven something happened and then it was over. And we were dealing with, with the overness. And one of the most challenging things about this crisis is it doesn't have, it's not over. It's not like it's happened and it's over. And so if, if the bomb goes off, then there's all this smoke and there's this time when the whole world's filled with smoke. That time's longer uh, with, this, with this situation, with this health crisis. And so we're sitting in that smoke and, and people can either go in the corner and like hide and, and make sure that they're going to be okay and freeze and be safe. Or they can realize that, 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 that the cheese just moved. It's not coming back. The world's in a total state of change, which is probably the best time ever to recreate yourself, to recreate your business, and to figure out where you're going to go. So in that smoke, we don't have to wait till it's all settled. We don't have to wait till we know everything. We don't have to wait till it's all figured out how the future is going to be. We can start to figure out the things that we do know, the things that we are seeing, and we can start to take action in that time so that when things start to settle down, everyone's coming out of hiding, we're already moving towards the next step. So you heard it here at Real Producers. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Success and Support Podcast. To get even more information to take your real estate business to the next level, visit kristenbrindley.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and tune in next week. And until then, please leave us a review on iTunes.